Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob, and I'm reading today from a sermon that was once preached by Charles Spurgeon. This message is from a collection of Spurgeon messages created by Perry Boardman. It's known as Spurgeon Gems. Today's message is from Volume 1. It's number 51. We're reading the second half of that message. It's all about despondency, comfort for the desponding. We're in uh, the section two, which there's only two parts to the message, two large parts, but we're in that second part and the second item in that part. Perhaps again, you are saying, oh, that I were as in months past, not so much from your own fault as from the fault of your minister. There is such a thing, my dear friends, as our getting into a terribly bad condition through the ministry that we attend. Can it be expected that men should grow in grace when they are never watered with the streams that make glad the city of our God? Can they be supposed to wax strong in the Lord Jesus when they do not feed on spiritual food? We know some who grumble Sabbath after Sabbath and say they cannot hear such and such a minister. Well, then why don't you buy an ear trumpet, you know, something for your ear? Ah, but I mean that I can't hear him to my soul's profit. Well, then, do not go to hear him. If you have tried for a long while and don't get any profit, I always think that a man who grumbles as he goes out of chapel ought not to be pitied but whipped, for he can stay away if he likes and go where he will be pleased. There are plenty of places where the sheep may meet and feed in their own manner. And everyone is bound to go where he gets the pasture most suited to his soul. But you are not bound to run away directly if your minister dies, as many of you did before you came here. You should not run away from the ship directly the storm comes and the captain is gone and you find her not exactly seaworthy. Stand by her. Begin caulking her. God will send you a captain. There will be fine weather by and by, and all will be right. But very frequently, a bad minister starves God's people into walking skeletons so that you can tell all their bones. And who wonders that they starve out their minister when they get no food and no nutriment from his ministrations? This is a second reason why men frequently cry out, Oh, that I were as in months past. But there's a better reason still, and that will come more home to some of you. It is not so much the badness of the food as the seldomness that you come to eat it. You know, my dear friends, we find every now and then that there is a man who came twice a day to the house of God on the Sabbath. On the Monday night he was busy at work, but his apron was rolled up, and if he could not be present all the while, he would come in at the end. On the Thursday evening, he would, if possible, come to the sanctuary to hear a sermon from some gospel minister and would sit up late at night and get up early in the morning to make up the time he had spent in these religious exercises. But by and by, he thought, I am too hard worked. This is tiring. It is too far to walk. And so he gives up first one service and then another And then he begins to cry out, Oh, that I were in months past. My brethren, you need not wonder at it. 
the man does not eat so much as he used to do. Little and often is the way children should be fed, though I have given you a great deal this morning. Still, little and often is a very good rule. I do think when people give up weekday services, unless it is utterly impracticable for them to attend them, farewell to religion. Farewell to practical godliness, says Whitfield, when men do not worship God on the weekday. Weekday services are frequently the cream of all. God gives his people pails full of milk on the Sabbath, but he often skims off the cream for the weekday. If they stay away, is it any wonder that they have to say, Oh, that I were as in months past. I do not blame you, beloved. I only wish to stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. A very plain fellow that is, uh, speaking of himself, is he not? Yes, he, he always tells you what he means and always intends to do so. Stand to your colors, my man. Keep close to the standard if you would win the battle. And when there seems to be the slightest defection, it is simply our duty to exhort you, lest by any measure you depart from the soundness of your faith. But frequently this complaint arises from idolatry. Many have given their hearts to something else save God and have set their affection on the things of the earth instead of the things in heaven. It is hard to love the world and love Christ. It is impossible, that is more, but it is hard not to love the creature. It is hard not to give yourself to earth. I had almost said it is impossible not to do that. It is difficult, and only God can enable us. He alone can keep us with our hearts fully set on him. But Mark, whenever we make a golden calf to worship sooner or later, it will come to this. We shall get our golden calf ground up and put into our water for us to drink, and then we shall have to say, He has made me drunken with wormwood. Never a man makes an idol for himself to worship, but it tumbles down on him and breaks some of his bones. There was ne'er a man yet who departed to broken cisterns to find water, but instead thereof he found loathsome creatures therein and was bitterly deceived. God will have his people live on him and on none else, and if they live on anything else but him, he will take care to give them of the waters of Marah to embitter their drink and drive them to the rock of purest streams. Oh, beloved, let us take care that our hearts are wholly his, only Christ's, solely Christ's. If they are so, we shall not have to cry out, Oh, that I were as in months past. Well, we scarcely need to detail any more reasons. We will add but one more, and that is the most common one of all. We have perhaps become self-confident and self-righteous. If so, that is a reason why it is not with us as in months past. Ah, my friends, that old rascal, self-righteousness, you'll never get rid of him as long as you live. The devil was well pictured under the form of a serpent, because a serpent can creep in anywhere through the smallest crevice. Self-righteousness is a serpent, for it will enter anywhere. 
If you try to serve your God, what a fine fellow you are, says the devil. Ah, don't you serve your God well? You are always preaching. You are a noble fellow. If you go to a prayer meeting, God gives you a little gift and, and you're able to pour out your heart. Presently, there's a pat on the back from Satan. Didn't you pray sweetly? I know the brethren will love you. You are growing in grace very much. If a temptation comes and you are able to resist it, Ah, says the devil at once, you're a true soldier of the cross. Look at the enemy you've knocked down. You'll have a bright crown by and by. You're a brave fellow. You go on trusting God implicitly, and so Satan says your faith is very strong. No trial can overcome you. There's a weak brother. He's not half as strong as you are. And away you go and scold your weak brother because he is not as big as you. And all the while, Satan is cheering you up and saying, What a mighty warrior you are, so faithful, always trusting in God. You have not any self-righteousness. <laughs> the minister preaches to the Pharisee, but the Pharisee is not 59th cousin to you. You're not at all self-righteous in your own opinion, and all the while you are the most self-righteous creature in existence. Ah, beloved, just when we think ourselves humble, we are sure to be proud. And when we are groaning over our pride, we are generally the most humble. You may just read your own estimate backwards. Just when we imagine we are the worst, we are often the best. And when we conceive ourselves the best, we are often the worst. It is that vile self-righteousness who creeps into our soul and makes us murmur, Oh, that I were as in months past. Your candle has got the snuff of self-righteousness upon it. You want to have that taken away, and then you'll burn all right. You're, you're soaring too high. You require something that will bring you down again to the feet of the Savior as a poor, lost, and guilty sinner. Nothing at all. Then you will not cry any longer, Oh, that I were as in months past. Well, now the closing up is to be an exhortation. An exhortation, first of all, to consolation. One is saying, Oh, I shall never be a happy state than I am now in. I have lost the light in his countenance. He is clean, gone away from me, and I shall perish. Well, do you remember in John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, the description of the man shut up in the iron cage? One said to him, Will you never come out of this cage? No, never. Are you condemned forever? Yes, I am. Why was this? Why, I grieve the spirit and he is gone. I once thought I loved him, but I've treated him lightly and he has departed. I, I went from the paths of righteousness and now I'm locked up here and I cannot get out. Yes, but, but John Bunyan does not tell you that the man never did get out. There have been some in that iron cage that, that have come out. There may be one here this morning who has been for a long while sitting in that iron cage, rattling the bars, trying to break them, trying to file them through with his own little might and strength. Oh, dear friend, you'll never file through the iron bars of that terrible cage. You'll never escape by yourself. What must you do? You must begin to sing like the bird in a cage does. Then the kind master will come and let you out. Cry to him to deliver you, though you cry and, and shout. 
that he shuts out your prayer. He will hear you by and by. And like Jonah, you shall exclaim in days to come, Out of the belly of hell, I cried unto the Lord, and he heard me. You will find the roll under the settle, although you've dropped it down the hill of difficulty. And when you have gotten it, you will put it in your bosom again and hold it all the more tightly because you have lost it for a little season. Return, O wanderer, return, and seek an injured father's face. Those warm desires that in thee burn were kindled by reclaiming grace. And now another exhortation, not so much to console you as to stir you up more and more to seek to be what you ought to be. Oh, Christian men and women, my brothers and sisters, in the faith of Jesus Christ, how many there are of you who are content just to be saved, merely to enter heaven? How many do we find who are saying, Oh, if I could just get in at the door, if I could simply be a child of God. And they carry out their desires literally, for they are as little Christian as possible. They would have moderation in religion. But what is moderation in religion? It is a lie. It is a farce. Does a wife ask her husband to be moderately loving? Does a parent expect his child to be moderately obedient? Do you seek to have your servants moderately honest? No. Then how can you talk about being moderately religious? To be moderately religious is to be irreligious. To have a religion that does not enter into the very heart and influence the life is virtually to have no religion at all. I tremble sometimes when I think of some of you who are mere professors. You are content, you, you whitewashed sepulchers, because you are beautifully whitened. You rest satisfied without looking at the charnel house beneath. How many of you make clean the outside of the cup and platter? And because the church can lay nothing to your charge and the world cannot accuse you, you think the outside of the cup will be sufficient. Take heed. Take heed. The judge will look at the inside of the cup and platter one day. And if it is full of wickedness, he will break that platter and the fragments shall forever be cast about in the pit of torment. Oh, may God give you to be real Christians. Waxen-winged professors, you can fly very well here, but when, like Icarus, you fly upwards, the mighty Son, S-U-N, of Jesus shall melt your wings, and you shall fall into the pit of destruction. Ah, gilded Christians, beautifully painted, varnished, polished, what will you do when you shall be found at last to have been worthless metal? When the wood, hay, and stubble shall be buried and consumed, what will you do if you are not the genuine coin of heaven, if you have not been molten in the furnace, if you have not been minted from on high? If you are not real gold, how shall you stand the fire in that great and terrible day of the Lord? Ah, and there are some of you who can stand the fire, I trust. You are the children of God. But, beloved, do I charge you wrongfully when I say that many of us know that we are the children of God, but we are content to be as little dwarf children. 
We are always crying out all that I was in months past. That's a mark of dwarfishness. If we're to do great things in the world, we must not often utter this cry. We must often be singing, I, the chief of sinners, am, but Jesus died for me. And with cheerful countenance, we must be able to say that we know whom we have believed. Do you wish to be useful? Do you desire to honor your master? Do you long to carry a heavy crown to heaven that you may put it on the Savior's head? If you do, and I know you do, then seek above all things that your soul may prosper and be in health, that your inner man may not be simply in a living state, but that you may be a tree planted by the rivers of water, bringing forth your fruit in your season, your leaf never withering, and whatsoever you do, prospering. Ah, do you want to go to heaven and wear a starless crown there, a crown that shall be a real crown, but that shall have no star upon it, because no soul has been saved by you? Do you wish to sit in heaven with garments of Christ's on, but without one single jewel that God has given you for your wages here below? Ah, no. Methinks you wish to go to heaven in full dress and to enter into the fullness of the joy of the Lord. Five talents well improved, five cities. And let no man be satisfied with his one talent merely, but let him seek to put it out at interest. For unto him that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. And finally, to many of you what I have preached about has no interest whatever. Perhaps you may say, Oh, that I were as in months past. For then I was quite well, and a jolly fellow was I. Then I could drink with the deepest drinker anywhere. Then I could run merrily into sin, but I cannot now. I have hurt my body. I have injured my mind. It is not with me as it used to be. I have spent all my money. I wish I were as I used to be. Ah, poor sinner, you have good reason to say, Oh, that I were as in months past. But wait four or five months, and then you will say it more emphatically, and think even today better than that day. And the further you go on, the more you will wish to go back again, for the path to hell is down, 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 always down. And you'll be always saying, Oh, that I were as in months past. You'll look back to the time when a mother's prayer blessed you, and a father's reproof warned you, when you went to a Sabbath school and sat upon your mother's knee to hear her tell you of a Savior. And the longer the retrospect of goodness, the more that goodness will pain you. Ah, my friends, you have need to go back, some of you. Remember how far you have fallen, how much you have departed. But, oh, you need not turn back. Instead of looking back and crying, Oh, that I were as in months past, say something different. Say, Oh, that I were a new man in Christ Jesus. It would not do for you to begin again in your present state. You would soon be as bad as you are now. But say, Oh, that I were a new man in Christ Jesus. Oh, that I might begin a new life. Some of you would like to begin a new life. Some of you reprobates who have gone far away. Well, poor mortal, you may. How, say you? Why, if you are a new man in Christ Jesus, you will begin again. A Christian is as much a new man as if he had been no man at all before. The old creature is dethroned. 
He is a new creature, born again, and starting on a new existence. Poor soul, God can make you a new man. God, the Holy Spirit, can build a new house out of you with neither stick nor stone of the old man in it, and he can give you a new heart, a new spirit, new pleasures, new happiness, new prospects, and at last give you a new heaven. But, says one, I, I feel that I want these things, but may I have them? Guess whether you may have them when I tell you this is a faithful saying, the Bible says, and worthy of all acceptation that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. It does not say it is worthy of some acceptation or acceptance, but it is worthy of all the acceptance you will ever give it. If you now say Jesus came into the world to save sinners, I believe he did. I know he did. He came to save me. You'll find it worthy of all acceptance. You, you, you say still, but will he save me? I'll give you another passage. Whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. Ah, but I do not know whether I may come. Whosoever, it says, him that comes to me, anyone who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. Whosoever will, let him come. It is written, do you will? I only speak to such as will who know their need of a Savior. Do you will? Then God the Holy Spirit says, whosoever will, let him come and take the water of life freely. The feeble, the guilty, the weak, the forlorn, in coming to Jesus shall not meet with scorn, but he will receive them and bless them and save from death and destruction, from hell and the grave. Yes, and he will lift them up to his kingdom of glory. God so grant it for his name's sake. Amen. Well, you can access this series of messages online at SpurgeonGems.com. I do hope you will. Uh, SpurgeonGems.com. Don't put the S after Spurgeon this time. It's just SpurgeonGems.com. Well, this is the Hackberry House of Chosun, and this audio is being released on the 12th of April, 2023. Lord willing, We'll talk again real soon. Bye-bye.